Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with the mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether five, eight, or ten dollars, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there. Destination Morocco podcast, the show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadine El Mustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history, attractions, and activities. Real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself. Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco. Our company, Destination Morocco, builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like a local. Follow us at destinationmorocco.co. And now, let's go exploring. Max Welski's Travel Diary Max fell in love with photography as a child. It was a hobby she shared with her father. She always had a camera in hand, but college and career took over until her daughter was born. She could not believe how quickly she changed from one day to the next. The only way to hold on to each precious moment was to take as many pictures as possible. Her friends asked her to photograph their families. And when her son went to kindergarten, Max and me became a business. It is a passion to capture the memory of a life, that moment, and to be able to share it for generations to come. And I love this quote from your website, Max. The best things in life are the people you love, the places you've seen, and the memories you have made along the way. Wow, that is amazing, Max. I'm so excited to have you with us today. And I can't wait for you to share the way that you have experienced Morocco with our audience. Max, welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast. So Max, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You just came back from your trip to Morocco. We have been working on your itinerary for some time. When did you decide actually to go to Morocco and how long it took you to plan it? I decided to go, I think it was in January of 2022. Okay. It took me, I mean, to plan it. I mean, I really, I used up all the six months of time before (laughs) I left. But honestly, there did come a point where I was like, okay, I'm done planning. Like, I just need to go now because I can't plan any more things. But I did find the planning a little bit challenging, which is how I found you. Well, (laughs) you know, the planning can absolutely be challenging. And I totally agree because even for me and my family, when we plan a trip to Morocco, we used to plan it for a year, but now we do six months to nine months. So in your case, I completely understand. And, And you did six months, January to June. That's perfectly fine. That's very normal. Now, you went to the trip without your family. And how did your family feel about you? going by yourself or with a friend to a very strange country to completely, you know, it's uh, Morocco in Africa. So how do they feel about that? Well, I'm very lucky to have a family that is okay with me traveling. And this is not my first trip alone to a strange place. I did go to Cuba without them and I've been to Paris without them. 
So they were kind of okay in general with me going, but my husband was a little apprehensive about me going to a foreign country without him where I may not have as much freedom and flexibility as I do here. But once he did a little bit of research about it and talked to people who had been there, he realized that I was going to be okay. I also told him that I would be guided the whole way. I wasn't going to just wander off on my own. So he was okay with that. I did have to make the deal with him that I would have a guide with me the majority of my time. What did your friends say about you or how did they help you in terms of research? And what other resources have you used to prepare for your trip before we met? Most of the people I know who had been there just said it was wonderful and beautiful and they recommended their tour guides that they used. At that point, I had already discovered your podcasts and I'm one of those people, I'm extremely loyal. And so it felt like cheating to go with somebody else, even though I didn't know any of you, but I felt like through your podcast, I kind of got to know you and you seemed very nice and friendly and, and warm. So I was, even though they recommended people to me, I just went with that. I did buy some of the guidebooks. There were not many. I really had a choice of two. Oh, wow. One of them I didn't like at all. So I focused on the one that I did use, which was Fodor's. And, you know, just looking at pictures on Instagram and following your podcast and Googling. I literally read every word in this book just to figure out where I wanted to go. What I found the hardest part, which is how I agreed to the tour, is that there wasn't a lot of information on how long things take and how long it takes to get from one place to the other. Yes, I can see a place online where I can rent a car, but it's not necessarily that easy. So I think having never been there, you really need to have a guide the first time or a company plan the trip for you or help you plan it. I know when you see something on the map, I mean, comparing Morocco to the U.S., I mean, Texas is bigger than Morocco, but still, there's still a lot of driving. So it's very important to know exactly how long it's going to take you from city to city and so forth and so forth. Now, was Morocco exactly what I expected it to be? Was it different than what you had in mind? It was really different than what I expected. I expected the entire country to be like the old medinas and old parts of the town. I did not realize there was like fully modern parts of towns with shopping malls and H&M and Starbucks and all these Mercedes dealerships. Like I didn't expect that at all. So that was interesting to me. I didn't actually spend any time in those areas, but I would like to go back and maybe see them. I also wasn't expecting the women to have as much freedom as they do. I mean, my first experience when I got off the plane, my Riyadh arranged for a concierge service for me. And I had the option of meeting them at the street or meeting me at my gate. So I chose to meet at my gate and it was a woman. And I I was totally surprised. Like I didn't know that women could wear skirts. I didn't know that women had that kind of freedom. She was amazing. But it was interesting to see, you know, I expected all the women to be like fully covered and very quiet. And that was not my experience at all. It's completely different. Yes. And I see that. I mean, people in the U.S., especially when they see the media, that's what they see. I mean, that's what they read in blogs. People who never been to Morocco. It's really not true. So when you go, there's a little bit of a social surprise, just like us. I remember when I first came into the U.S. I mean, for me, it was time travel. I felt like I traveled 500 years from 1995. So it's, it does take a little bit of adjustment. It took me a while just to comprehend and understand the magnitude of everything, the world that I'm living in now. So I can absolutely relate to you and to people who think Morocco is a certain way and, and women. Women in Morocco, we are equal. And it's hard for me exactly to explain it to people. But once they go, they see the strength that they have. They have their own businesses in every major platform, pilots, you know, in government, anywhere. You'll see the strength of a Moroccan woman. And we have a lot of talent in all aspects of everything that we do in Morocco. And also in terms of safety, especially for women, how did you feel when it came to your safety during the day, during the night? at the Riyadh that you were staying or the one side visit, whether in Shifshaw, in Fas, Marrakesh, or Tetuan, how did you feel throughout the country when it came to your safety and, in general, women's safety? Escape to the exotic beauty of Morocco with our exclusive small group tours. Experience intimate group sizes that ensure personalized attention and unforgettable adventures. From the enchanting streets of Marrakesh to the serene beauty of the Sahara Desert. Forge friendships that last a lifetime. 
while immersing yourself in Morocco's rich culture, vibrant traditions, and warm hospitality. Book your small group tour with Destination Morocco today. Experience the intimacy of a private tour at an affordable price. Go to our website, destinationsmorocco.com, that's destinations with an S, morocco.com, and reserve your spot today. I felt very safe. I never once did not feel safe. During the day, I mean, we had guides with us, but I felt completely safe without the guide. I may have wandered off somewhere. And at night, we went out a little bit. We took a taxi to a restaurant and then got in the taxi and came back home. I felt very safe. I didn't necessarily put myself in any situation that could have possibly been unsafe, but overall, I felt like the people were very sweet and welcoming and no one was out to hurt me or do anything like that. I felt very safe everywhere, even squeezing myself through the bodies yeah. of the square at 11 o'clock oh at goodness. night when it was lively and all of that. I, I still felt safe. I don't know that I felt my purse was safe, but I was safe and nothing happened <laughs> yeah. to my purse, but you know, we, we do have quite a bit of camera gear with us. So yes. yeah. a little stressful. You know, the square, a lot of people don't know. I mean, the square during the day is different than the square during the night. It becomes a beast at night and it stays that way until three, four in the morning. I couldn't believe that. I had been during the day. So we were in Marrakesh for a few days before our tour started with you and your friend Yusuf took us around. We went to the square during the day and it was chaos and the snakes yeah. and the monkeys and the vendors and all of that. We walked through the souks. We went on the whole tour and then we came back and we had to walk through it at night. It was packed with yeah. people and it's 11 o'clock at night. Like, don't people work <laughs> on the next day? Like, who's awake at 11? But, you know, when you're there, like at eight in the morning, everyone's still sleeping. It's yes. not like here where at 6 a.m. people are up jogging and they're going. I mean, at 7 a.m. you can walk around. It's pretty quiet, but there's life. It's a lot of life there. Normally, when I go to the square, it's around 1 a.m. Honestly, that's what it, that's the time that I go. Now, if I want to take pictures of the square just before the sunset, I'm not sure if you have done it. That's what I do. I go about about an hour before. I normally go to Cafe France. It's my favorite spot. And I sit at the terrace. Normally, the reason why I go an hour before, because that's almost the time that it's going to take you to find a seat. And when I do, I take a lot of videos and I take a lot of pictures of the square, the people, the busyness of the crowd, and then the Kutubia Mosque. It's a beautiful, beautiful sight before the sun goes down. So I'm not sure if you have experienced that. We did. We went and sat and we got in the exact same thing. I don't know if it was the same restaurant, but we got to the restaurant. We had to wait for a table and then we got a table on the edge. And you can sit there and you see yeah. how the square is not that, I mean, it's crowded, but it's not that crowded. But you suddenly see it gets more and more crowded and more and more people. I just sat there and like, who are all these people? Are they all tourists? Are they locals? Like, who comes here? <laughs> We were leaving dinner. It was, I don't know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. You couldn't walk down the street without being surrounded by people, which is wonderful. I love that there's life, but having just come out of COVID, it was a little unsettling for me, but we were outside. <laughs> like, I haven't been this close to people in two years, but it was all good. Yeah, I did not get COVID while I was there. Um, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> yes, it does. It does get overcrowded. And typically, here's the local culture. The local people who go there, they normally work or they hustle mm -hmm. one way or another, and they are in the outskirts of the Jamalfna. So they are maybe a few miles away. But for us, like in my case, I'm 30 minute walk from Jamalfna. So it's not in our culture to go on a daily basis. We'll go when we need to buy something. When we, like for example, before the holidays, we go and that's where we buy stuff for us, for the kids and stuff like that. But otherwise, we don't go. We just don't. Now, in terms of the locals, also the Moroccans, people from Casablanca, it's very popular. Rabat from other cities, the square is very popular for them. They see it with a tourist eye versus us. We see it as a local and it's like, ah, there's nothing for me. I'm not going to go. But for me now, because I travel, I treasure it even more. So whenever I have an opportunity to go, I go, but I always go with somebody. On your itinerary that you had, you had a few days before you started your tour with us, and you had a couple of days after your tour finished with us. Tell us about the couple of days in terms of things that you have experienced before we started the tour. I know you said that you spent some time with Yusuf, and he's amazing. And then afterwards, you had, I think, a couple of days, if you can tell us as well what you have done in those days. 
So the first couple of days we were in Marrakesh and the first two days we had Yusuf take us around. I love to plan trips. Like 90% of the trip is planning it and then I just get to go and do it. But I am not used to anyone telling me where I'm going, what order I'm going in or any of that. So I feel like from your side, I'm probably a very difficult client. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I try not to be, but I had a whole list of where I wanted to go and all of that. He picked us up. We started the tour at the Marjorel Garden. Yes, Marjorel, yes. Marjorel, which was beautiful and lovely. We saw a bunch of things because I had said to him, you know, what day are we going to do this? What day are we going to do that? He's like, let's just meet. And what we don't do the first day, we'll do the second day or, or how he was very flexible, which was great because we kind of got everything done the first day. So then the second day we got to just enjoy things. My friend who I was traveling with really wanted to hold a monkey. So we went and did that. Oh, nice. We looked at camels and we went shopping, a little too much shopping. <laughs> and my bag was delayed a little bit. So we got to tour the airport a few times. That was fun. So those were the first two days. He recommended places for us to have dinner as well, which was also sitting in the square and seeing all the people. And then the third day we were there, I had booked a group tour out to the Atlas Mountains to see a waterfall and ride some camels. So we did that. Yes. And then the next day is when your tour started, which was wonderful. We did all that. And then at the back end, I had booked a group tour to go to Esuera. Esuera. I Esuera. cannot say that name. It is so hard for me. <laughs> Esuera. But we realized it was going to be a very, like a nine hour tour. And we were going to go see things we had already seen maybe two or three times on our trip. So I canceled that and we continued our tour leader and driver that you provided. And we went out to Esuera for the day, which I loved. I wish I could have stayed a couple nights in there in the town. Yes. But I'm also a big Game of Thrones fan. So it was very fun for me to stand at the gate where Daenerys went to ask before. Oh, that's amazing. So those were our two days. And I was going to say, one of our outings was I had to buy a suitcase for all the things that I purchased, which also turned out to not be big enough. So I had to buy another suitcase. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing that a lot of people don't pay attention to is when you go to Morocco, I swear to you, you will come back with a lot of things that you buy. And when you buy them in pieces and pieces, you don't realize the weight. And then you don't realize how much you have bought. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what happened to you, Max. I mean, when you go to the square, when you go to Fast, when you go to Esawira, there's things in the market you just have to have. So in your case, what was that one thing that you have to have anywhere else that you went? Oh, the one thing. There wasn't like one thing I had to have, I guess. There were a lot of things I wanted. Like I really wanted argon oil. I bought a whole bunch of pillows from my backyard and I got slippers and I got bags, ceramics. I bought a lot of ceramics, which were very hard to yes. get home because they have to go in your carry-on bag. Oh, I see. Yeah. They're breakable. Some of it I got in my luggage. Oh yes. Scarves. I love scarves. I have a huge scarf collection and I really, really wanted to get scarves. So it was very hard to limit myself. I think I came home with five. I could have bought more. I could have bought yeah. every color. I could have bought a bread spread. I could have bought linens for my dining room table. Like there were so many things, but like, I didn't know how I was going to get that home. One of the things was because we had a car and driver for our tour from Marrakesh all around, we sometimes left the bags in the car. And so by the time we got to the last stop, you don't realize how much you have because it's all been in the car in the back that you don't see. So they brought out my bags and I'm like, wait, what is all this? Like, where did this come from? Who bought this? That is funny. But I can still off the top of my head right now, I'm thinking, oh, I should have bought that. I should have bought that. But I'll go back one day and buy more. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. So in terms of the culture and the friendliness of the people, how was it for you, especially when you took the trip to the mountains, if you can tell us a little bit about that? The people are so nice and friendly and welcoming. The hospitality that I experienced from the managers of our Riyadh and the guides was unbelievable. I think I mentioned that my bag was delayed. It was the second day and I'm still in the same clothes and I was literally, I couldn't figure out how to work the phones. And so yes. I went to the lobby to ask them to help me make a phone call. And the manager was like, let's just go to the airport. I'm like, but you're working. He goes, it's okay. He got a car. He got in the car. He took me to the airport. He helped Amazing. me with the bag. He took me to H&M to get some clothes. Like I've never experienced somebody that kind in my life. 
when we did the day trip to the Atlas Mountains, our guide took us to his childhood home, served us tea and gave us a whole explanation about the Berber culture. While we were there, one of the call to prayer happened. It was just magical. Everyone was so kind that my guides gave us gifts at the end of our tour. They're still messaging me to make sure I got home okay, (laughs) how my trip was. They're just wonderful. And they seem very welcoming and eager to have tourists come. Like they really want people to come and see their beautiful country. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. You know, COVID has affected us all in the worst possible way, but it also made us appreciate everything to the smallest details. When somebody comes and experiences that culture, that's what we want. You know, we want them to experience us, the Berbers, you know, in the city, in the mountains. And of course, there is a difference, but in the mountains, when I tell people, you cannot walk from the beginning of a village to where it ends without somebody asking you at least seven times to come and get some tea with them. And sometimes they get offended because they want you, you know, just bless that house with your presence. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of strange, but incredible culture at the same time. It's very interesting to experience it because when you hear about it, I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, like that's weird people. I don't want to go in people's homes. Like there's COVID. I mean, I've spent two years not leaving this little room that I'm in right now. And then all of a sudden I'm like in another country on another continent. But when you go, they're so kind and sweet. Like you can see they just want to feed you. They just want to be hospitable and give you tea and talk to you and It's wonderful. It's lovely. It's like going home, even though that's not your home. Close your eyes and imagine the warm desert breeze kissing your skin as you wander through the narrow streets of Marrakesh. Feel the excitement as you lose yourself to the vibrant colors of the souks, where every corner holds a treasure waiting to be discovered. Experience the thrill of adventure as you traverse the majestic Sahara Desert on a camelback with nothing but endless dunes stretching before you. Experience Morocco. Feel alive. Get 15% off all small group tours. Visit our website, destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. Use the word 15 as a discount code at checkout and reserve your spot today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. So during your time, um, I think you went in a really, really good time, early June. Was everywhere packed with tourists anywhere you went or was it okay? Traveling around from city to city, how was it? I'm not going to say it was packed with tourists, but it was definitely full. Most of our riads, I think all the rooms were full. The streets were filled with people. I mean, the only time I really experienced a packed situation was at night in the square. In the square, yes. Other than that, it wasn't really necessarily packed, but there were a lot of people. It was definitely a touristy time to go. It was also kind of hot. Not super hot. I'm from LA, so I'm used to warm weather. I was listening to one of your podcasts and the woman was talking about all the beautiful sunsets I didn't see one sunset because cloudy most of the day, Mm. which was great because it wasn't as hot as it would have been. I mean, I would say it's probably a good time to go. I think the beginning of June is good. Any later, it might have gotten a little too hot and maybe, I don't know how crowded it normally is in the summer, but it was getting a little warm. Well, June, I would say it's still a perfect time for me when I go Mm -hmm. because it's not really that hot and I can travel to the beach, the mountains, everywhere, and it's still nice in a way. July and August, I always say stay away because all the Moroccans everywhere, that's the time that they go back to Morocco. It gets really, really, really crowded. Then you add that to the tourists, everything goes expensive, not available, too crowded anywhere you go, and you may not enjoy it as much. For me, that's how I see the summer. The summer is not my favorite time to go to Morocco, but I'll still go to Morocco in summertime if I have to. Yeah. The spring and the fall is nice. It wasn't crowded, but it wasn't empty. March, April, that's the high season. It gets really popular. And the springtime is definitely, I agree with you, is the perfect time to go if your schedule allows it. That's generally when I try to travel. Yes. So the itinerary that I have made for you, I made two itineraries, the first one and the second one. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of strange because those itineraries 
I really get connected to them emotionally. They mean so much to me and each itinerary for each client is different. It takes few days to make it, but I have to connect to it first before I make it. I have to mold it to you. When we do our calls, discovery calls, and you tell me all the things that you want to see, I put all that information in the itinerary, then add the images to it in the videos. Were you happy with the itinerary? I try to make it more live itinerary than anything else. So how was yours? I loved that you had the pictures because I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm just reading letters. So having the photos really, really helped me, especially since I'm a planner. I could look at it and go, okay, yes, that looks great. Oh, no, I don't necessarily need to see that in my limited time or whatever it was. But I did really enjoy the presentation of your itinerary. And I think that you planned perfectly all the things that I wanted to see. Thank you. I thought we had the right amount of time in all the cities. Each city we went to was a little bit different. They're all unique in their own. With the first itinerary, you had planned for us to do a sleepover in the desert, which I think would have been amazing. Um, (laughs) But we're not really campers. I'm sure there would have been chandeliers and flushing toilets. It all looks very wonderful. But given our limited amount of time, I don't know how we would have fit that in. As it was, I felt like we were moving a lot, which was good. So I think it was perfect. I wouldn't have changed anything. I'm glad to hear that. You know, to do the north and the south of Morocco is really challenging. There's a lot of driving. I always recommend do the north side, then do the south side separately, maybe one week each. I think that's the best way to do it because you're not going to get tired and you're going to enjoy every city and give it a day or two that it needs to truly visit the city the way that it's supposed to. How was your experience with all the cities that you have visited? Casablanca, Rabat, Shefshawan, Volibulis, Fas, Muknas, Ifran, then Marrakesh. How was it? And I saw your images on Instagram. They look just amazing. Thank you. Incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Casablanca, the mosque is breathtaking. You cannot miss that. I don't know if it was our timing or if you made arrangements, but we were literally the only four people in there. It was right before the time to pray. So we actually got shoot out at the very end. Not shoot, but, you know, they were just very nice and like, it's time for you guys to go. But (laughs) that was amazing. It was so beautiful. And I don't care what kind of camera you have. You cannot photograph that in any way to show its beauty. It requires, I I don't know what. That was really beautiful. And then we, of course, had to have lunch at Rick's Cafe. I didn't really realize that Casablanca, there's a beach there. Yeah. Another friend of mine was also in Morocco and she was posting pictures. I'm sure there was a lot more to see in Casablanca than we saw because that's all we did. We did those two things and then we went on to Rabat. But Casablanca was a more metropolitan city compared to what I saw in Marrakesh. Now, again, in Marrakesh, I was only in the old part except for my trip to the mall. It seemed very different to me. Rabat was like a blur because we literally came in, had dinner, woke up, saw something and moved on to the next place. But I loved the, it was like a castle on the ocean. <laughs> yes. It was it the mausoleum. Yes. Yeah. You did the mausoleum because they're all next to each other. The Hassan, mm-hmm. then Shalla, Kasbah Shalla. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. So from there we went to Shifshawan, which I think was one of our favorite stops. I mean, it's so beautiful and photographic, just a great little village. The people are so kind and there are cats everywhere Yes, <laughs> and dogs. I'm very happy to see dogs because I'm more of a dog person. We did go up to the Spanish mosque to see the sunset, but again, the sun didn't shine that day. As a photographer, I already knew well in that we were not going to get a sunset, but that was really fun to even just go up there and see the people and see the city from above. I loved Volibilis. Volibilis, yes. That was amazing. The Roman ruins and the whole town. I mean, I've seen Roman ruins all over Europe, but this was like a whole town with kitchens and it was amazing to see. And then Fez, the artisans that we got to see, the tanneries and the ceramics, that was amazing. I loved that. I know people say the tanneries smell really bad, but I rode horses for years, so I didn't even notice. They give you little mint things that you can smell so that it doesn't smell bad. I didn't even notice a smell, but that's just me. It was really fun. And then we headed back into Marrakesh from there. We actually didn't go to Ephraim. We decided to just do a straight drive. Oh, I see. To Marrakesh, which was long. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Because it was about six hour drive. I remember. And you had the choice to take the freeway or go through the mountains. The mountains would have been a little bit longer, but yeah, it makes sense. Now, also, I remember, did you do Agafai for the camera ride? 
I did. Okay. Agafai, a lot of people, especially during the summertime, when you're doing the desert tour, they don't go to Merzuga because it's really hot, but they do Agafai. There's a lot of camps in Agafai. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Well, it was part of a day tour. So we went to a waterfall and then we went to our guides, Berber Village, and then we went to Agafai to ride camels. It's weird, like you drive out of Marrakesh and all of a sudden you're in like very lush areas with green and waterfalls. And then you're in the mountains and then you're in the desert. The topography just changes. And so we, we yeah. got to a camp and I think it's very tourist driven. They dress you up and they put you on a camel and they walk you in a big circle and they bring you back, which was fun. But we really enjoyed it. And the camels were very sweet. I heard that they were mean. But I did not see one mean camel, and I experienced like three or four of them while I was there. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's funny when you're in Marrakesh, you're just driving in the street, and on the corner, there's like four camels just hanging out, parked with the cars. Yeah, they charge you 10 bucks just for a ride. It's a little bit pricey, but Agafai is definitely an amazing place. And also, a lot of weddings are held in the Agafai. There's so many camps. So instead of going to Merzuga and doing a wedding in Merzuga, a lot of people choose to do Agafai because it's close to Marrakesh and they can be back and forth, you know, their main hotel. At that point, I think we were like on day 10 or day 11. Yeah. And it really does get to a point where you're just like, I can't. You're absolutely right. And this is the reason why I always recommend to split the country into two, mm -hmm. the north side and the south side. Yeah, you're going to have fun in 15 days, but you will absolutely be tired. Now, throughout your experience in the tour, it sounds amazing. How was the food for you? The food was really delicious. I'm sort of a picky eater, and I just lost some weight, so I don't normally eat carbs. The amount of bread that you're given, uh. <laughs> quite a treat. <laughs> so at breakfast, they bring like five different baskets of five different kinds of bread that all look delicious, but I can't eat all that bread. That was honestly one of the challenges for me was not being tempted by the delicious looking bread because I really didn't want to gain 30 pounds on my trip. But overall, I mean, the tangines, the couscous, the pastilla, just so delicious. I didn't have a bad meal the whole time I was there. I'm glad to hear that. It was all very yummy. What has been the most interesting item of food that you have tasted in Morocco? Something, you know. Um, we had camel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Our tour leader suggested we have camel. Elias. Yes. Uh, I'm worried like when I travel about what I eat because I do have a sensitive system. They can't just eat everything. Like I tried not to drink the water and I didn't eat fruits and vegetables or washed in water because I didn't want to get sick. So Elias took us to literally a local street place. Like you walk down the, the street yes. and you just walk in and there's a little table. I was really outside of my comfort zone. But it was delicious, and they were so kind. They made us fresh mint tea while we were sitting there. It was supposed to be camel sandwiches, but again, that comes on a piece of bread. So they had sandwiches. I had just the meat with some sides, but it was delicious. It was like a burger, maybe a little more tender than a burger, but that was the most interesting thing that I ate. What city did you have at that? I think it was in a stop in between maybe Rabat and Shifshawan. The funny part, you said camel sandwich. Angel, just in the last episode, said camel sandwich. I know camel sandwich. The demand on camel sandwich is going to go high right now. Before camels. <laughs> I don't know. I actually did a camel tagine on the way to Merzuga, my last visit. Oh. I went with the family. My wife and sister, we had it for lunch, but they could not eat until the next day. For me, I think I gained 20 pounds just between Merzuga and that tagine. <laughs> I was nervous, you know, I just ate that tachin and we're going to Merzuga riding a camel. And it's like, you know, I hope he doesn't smell his cousin. and just ate his cousin. So <laughs> it, was, it was funny. But it does fill you up. It really does. It's very rich. Yeah. And you're very brave. I mean. I guess they offered me to try it. So I tried it. When I was a kid, I tried it. It was just like ground meat. That's what I tried. Normally for us in Morocco, it's going to sound kind of weird, but we eat it raw. That's what I did as a kid. I ate that meat raw. You are very brave. <laughs> Back then I was. <laughs> In terms of packing, Max, we did an episode about packing a few weeks ago. What are the things that you cannot travel without to a third world country, especially to Morocco? What is it that you have to have with you at all times? Well, I'm going to say Imodium because, you know, the food is different than the food that I have at home. 
there was one day where it wasn't from the water or anything we ate. I think there were olives at the restaurant that we had the night before because one of our guides on our tour was also not feeling so great that day. The Imodium helped me within an hour. Oh, wow. And he, this poor guy, we're driving and like every hour or so we had to keep stopping. And so I asked him, like, are you not feeling well? And he explained that he wasn't doing so great. So I gave him Imodium and he's like, wow, this stuff really works. It's amazing. So I would say that. What else could I not travel with? Your sense of humor, your sense of adventure, those kinds of things. Yes. I mean, my bag was delayed. I didn't have anything for the first 48 hours other than what I brought with me. You don't realize how much you miss a hairbrush when you don't have one. (laughs) Be flexible. Travel is a challenge. It's wonderful and it's great to see all the things, but you have to be flexible. And no matter how well you prepare, and I'm telling you, I have trips planned down so prepared. Once I get on the plane, I throw my plans out the window because I just want to go and experience where I am. The plan really just sort of helps me not lose focus and be able to see all the things I want to see. You just have to be flexible. If something doesn't go as planned, you just kind of have to go with it. And sometimes that turns out to be the best experience of your trip because you weren't expecting it and it was a surprise. Absolutely. Absolutely. What kind of tip or advice would you give to the listeners if they are traveling to Morocco, whether with us or with somebody else or just on their own? The colors and the people, and there's so much to see. We live in a world of phones and cameras and everybody's taking pictures and selfies. Everywhere we went, even our guides were like, oh, this is a really Instagrammable place. And I'm like, you know, it's not all about Instagram and photos. Trust me, I came home with 4,000 photos. Like I took a photo of everything, but my advice would be to just really experience what you're doing and not just snap photos. Really take a moment and look at the flowers and the people, the little cats in the streets. Take a moment to experience it in real life. Also, say yes. If someone asks you to try a camel burger, you know, you don't have to eat the whole burger, but you can take a bite and try it. You know, if someone wants to invite you into their home in a mountain village, where I don't know that that's a safe thing to do, but I'm with 20 other tourists on a bus. Like, I'm sure it's fine. Go because it will, it was amazing. You got to say yes to things as long as they're not doing something stupid. Uh, That's a really good advice. Definitely. Definitely. Now, in terms of when you have traveled, when we working on your trip, in your case, we made some changes. We added a few things. You may not notice them, but Elias is an amazing tour leader. That's one of the additions that we added because we don't want you to feel like somebody's taking advantage of you, whether you know it or not know it. I do the best that I can to utilize the people that I know because they have your best interest. Even when you go for food to eat at a restaurant, if you don't know somebody or somebody doesn't send you to that place, you may not get the best experience. You may not get the best cut of meat or fish or chicken. That's what we do behind the scene. Before you go, we say, hey, we have a special guest. They need special attention, special care, and so forth. Also, we talked about shopping experience. That can really cause a lot of damage financially. As we're speaking, Sam is going to go to different cities to set up everything that we need to set up uh, shops. So that way, when you go shopping, those people, they're our people. We know they're not going to cheat you out of your money. They're not going to cheat you out of the quality of the product that you're going to buy. A lot of people may not know, but anywhere you go, there's kickbacks, there's commission, whatever you want to call it. Personally, I'm not against it, but I'm against taking advantage of the client, taking advantage of our guest, of you, Max, because we have experienced it. Sometimes we don't see it at the moment, but it's already too late. Can you tell us about your experience in terms of shopping in Marrakesh, in Fas as well, with Fatim Zahra and Ilyas? I'm not there, but I talk to them on a daily basis. They were all fantastic. I would have easily been completely taken advantage of had I not had them with me. I'm the kind of person where if you tell me something's $5, I'll just say fine. I might even give you $6 because you're nice to me. I am not a bargain shopper at all. In the beginning, when we were first there with Yusuf, he was doing all the bargaining for me. Like I'm just like, oh, okay, I'd like to buy this. Please bargain for me because I don't even know how to do it. And I felt like he was guiding us to higher quality vendors. To me, it all looks amazing, but I don't really know what the difference is. Because at that point, we'd only been there, it was like the first couple days. I got a little more savvy by the time I got to Fez. (laughs) Even when we were with Sahara in Fez, 
I knew she was taking me to a high quality place. Like we went and toured a ceramics, I don't know if you call it factory or vendor artisan, but they explained to us how they made it. They showed us, they literally stood on the plates and said, you can buy these on the street. And if you step on them, they're going to break. That's right. But you can step on ours. In fact, later on, when we were in Marrakesh. I was like, oh, should we step on those and test them? Out? <laughs> I knew I was buying very high quality items. She took us to a scarf place in Fez where I bought the five scarves. I knew that they were very high quality because that's what I want. I'd rather pay $10 for something that's a high quality than a dollar for something that's not. At the end, I wanted to get some spices. Someone had asked me to bring them the spice that I can't pronounce that is completely Moroccan. It's like Hasra Mousse something. Uh, oh, I think I know which one. Ras Hanud. Yes, this one. He's like, oh, you can't just buy that anywhere because it's been COVID. Things have been stored for a while. Let me take you to a high quality place. This place was amazing. I looked like I was on a store on Montana in Santa Monica. It was really visually beautiful. Everything was high quality. So I appreciated being taken places where I knew I was getting quality things and I was not being taken advantage of. And as you were saying, they do give a commission to their guides. I'm fine with that. If someone recommends me as a photographer, I'm going to buy them a coffee or give them a gift to thank them for recommending me. And so I think that's a great way to do things so that I'm not taken advantage of. And I do come home with quality things. You know, if I come home and it falls apart, then that's not good for me either. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't have an issue with the, with the commission. We don't get it. We don't take it. It's not our intent. But also, I don't have a problem paying $6 for something that it's worth 5 Paying 500 I have an issue with that. Later on in the season, I'm going to do another episode about scams. And this is going to be one of the major topics. The reason is because there's a lot of tour operators. They know and they do collect it, but the public is not aware of it. For me, we have to be as transparent as possible. We're not perfect. We do make mistakes. Behind the scene, there's always something that we need to adjust. We need to improve. And that's the reason why we do the feedback. When you come back and Sam comes and sees you, that feedback is priceless to us. That's really, really one of the most important steps for us is the feedback we get from you, especially at the end of the tour. And not just the shopping, the restaurants and the food, all the places that they recommended were wonderful and delicious. The riads that you chose were beautiful as well. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Just like you said, with COVID, so many people were out of business, so many changes. The people that we used to work with, they moved and so forth and so forth. So we always have to keep on the lookout. A new place. Is this a good fit for us? Is this a good fit for our clients? The other question that I have, would you recommend Morocco to people? Of course I would recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tricky question. <laughs> you know what? It has so much history and beautiful places. It is definitely something to see. The outside perception of Morocco is not necessarily accurate, at least it wasn't to me. So I feel like you kind of have to go see it to believe it. The shopping is amazing. And as a photographer, it's just, it's a dream. I would definitely recommend it to people. Each city is a little bit different. So there's a little bit for everybody. I was very nervous going with a tour company. I've never done that. I found you in a podcast and online and, you know, you did this whole episode on scams and I'm like, oh my God, what if this is a scam? What if he's like, there's not really a person. I'm going to end up in Morocco all by myself and there's nobody to help me, which is part of why I did a lot of research because I was like, well, if I end up, I better be able to, oh you know, survive. But you turned out to be a real person with a real agency and you guys were amazing. I mean, you picked beautiful riads for us. Each one was so clean and lovely. The one in Fez was amazing, amazing, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Having the tour leader was great. Ilias is a great guy and so much fun to be with. I mean, the tour leader is your whole tour. So he really was amazing. You really get to know the people when you're with a local person the whole time. The car was lovely. The driver was great. All the cities you chose and all the things we did within each city was wonderful. I mean, I would have planned it the same myself and not that I you know, know what I'm doing, but I was very happy with the way you planned it and the time that you had us doing everything was great too. You were with me the whole time. Like you were texting me, oh, yeah. you were making sure I was okay. I, I felt like you were with us on our tour. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. I really felt that same way because... I have to be with you because it doesn't matter the time of day you text me. There's no wait time. There's no hold time. You're not going to be on the phone for two, three, four, five hours. No, I text you back right away. 
It doesn't matter if it's 1 p.m. or 1 a.m. or 2 or 3. That's something that it's really, really, really important when you're overseas. Literally, we are like the extension of your family. Your family is in California, and we are the extension of your family. We have to be there for you 24-7. You have access to Elias, to the driver in the car, 24-7. When the tour starts until the tour finishes, there's about eight or nine people that you have come in contact with that work with us or their affiliates with us. You see, FAS has a different culture. Fatim Zahra has a different way of talking to people, different ways of showing FAS. And you're only going to get that through a local guide versus a national guide. Elias is amazing in terms of in between cities, mm -hmm. the storytelling, the poet. He's incredible, him and his stories, when he grew up and the village. The drive is very long, so you have to fill it up with something nice, something positive, something good. Also, your tour was very special because you're a photographer. So we had to make sure that you see things in a certain way. Yeah. I feel like you definitely were taking care of me from far away. And when you say you're available at all times, I mean, literally, I, it was like two in the morning to you. And you were right there texting me back, answering my questions. That's what we really do, because we understand sometimes there's a five-hour difference, sometimes six, sometimes seven. And just like you said, emergencies happen. You could have eaten a bad olive or bad food, and then you get a reaction late at night. And you need to get some medicine, go to the hospital. The tour leader stays with you at the hotel or the Riyadh that you're in. So he's not off-site or somewhere far. Then the driver is somewhere else to get the car. No, it's everybody literally is right there next to you. My next question that I wanted to ask you, I'm glad that at the end you used us. We're very fortunate. But also a private tour is different than a group tour. The biggest difference really is price. The reason is because you're paying a minimum of people in a private tour is two versus in a group tour, it's one person. You're saving quite a bit because the rooms are a group rate, which is cheaper. Then the transportation is cheaper as well. So everything is cheaper when you do a group tour versus a private tour. In your case, Max, how do you feel between the price that you have paid versus the quality of service that you have received? I received way more than what I paid for. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My Riyadhs were beautiful. We had a beautiful car. We had a tour leader, a driver, guides in every city. It was definitely more value for my money than I think. It was wonderful. We're so glad to hear that. We're so glad to hear that. And you. you know what? I probably could have found a group tour, but I wouldn't want to be with all those other people. And this way I could dictate what I wanted to do. Like, for example, on the last day when we decided not to go to Ephraim and just go straight home, we yes. were able to do that because we weren't with a bunch of people. So I definitely recommend that. You know, one thing actually I would like to share is I was really concerned about what to pack and what to wear. And I know you've gone over this in other episodes, but you know, a lot of times you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, that's not what they mean. Truly you can wear and pack whatever you normally wear in real life. Like I went out and bought a bunch of different tops and longer skirts because I didn't think my shoulders and knees could be shown. And as I said, when I got off the plane, not only was my VIP person a woman, but she was wearing a skirt that showed her knees. So I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> your mothers are going to look at you strange. Like you can't dress like that here in Morocco. But I quickly realized that you can. I mean, I saw girls in crop tops and things that I would definitely not wear or let my daughter wear. But as a tourist, you're not held to the same level of expectation exactly. as others. So pack what you normally wear and it'll be good. That's exactly what I said. It's just... It is what you said. People, sometimes they overthink it, you know? I'm more interested and in, I want to pack, like you said, Imodium, I want to pack the toiletries, whatever it is, versus just how to dress up. Yeah, Morocco is a relatively open, outgoing country, but it's going to take a little bit of time for a lot of people to catch up unless they have visited. And you're absolutely right. For you to change that perception, you really have to go. It's a beautiful country. It's extremely diverse in terms of the history. One of my favorite places, and I think it doesn't get a lot of credit, is Volibulis. I love Volibulis. I went twice because the first time we got there, it was really hot. I had my GoPro and the battery ran out in about an hour. <laughs> that didn't help. I knew that I could not do the site, the actual site, but I did the museum. So I just did the front and then I did the museum. It took me 45 minutes just to walk through the museum because I did it the right way. So it was amazing. And also what a lot of people don't know is they are still looking for the theater in Volibilis. Uh, Morocco is working with some archaeologists from Europe, and they are still working and looking for the mausoleum. So they haven't found it yet, but we know that it's there. So it's probably going to take a little bit more time to find it. 
Any other questions that I should have asked you, Max? Would you go again? I would definitely go again. I feel like I really focused on the older cities and the older parts of each city. So I really didn't experience the more modern parts of Morocco. I would like to go and see Tangier and a little bit more of Casablanca. Of course, I'd have to go back to Marrakesh and Fez and I'd have to go back to all the same cities, but I would like to go back. I'm glad to hear that. Well, this concludes our episode. Max, you have been amazing. I really, really appreciate you. I appreciate you choosing us as your tour company. And I'm very glad and fortunate that you have experienced everything the way that we wanted you to experience it. People, they listen to the podcast and say, hey, you know, Max, I really like that itinerary. Can I get the same itinerary? That's normally how it really works. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Max. Have a wonderful day. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. Our dedicated show website, destinationmoroccopodcast.com, is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links, and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself and would love to share a story, advice, or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five-minute story or a full conversation, we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then. You have traveled the world, but Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. And let us turn your dreams into reality. Your amazing Moroccan experience awaits.